This is The Extraordinary Story, a podcast about the life of Christ. Jesus Christ, God himself, entered the confusing maze that is our world to show us who we are and to give us his cross as a ladder up and out. This is his story and ours, The Extraordinary Story. Brought to you by Ex Corde at Benedictine College in Atchison, Kansas. Written and hosted by Tom Hoops. So today we're going to talk about the Magi and their visit to the Christ child and Mary and Joseph in Bethlehem. And so this is kind of the last infancy tale that will tell of Jesus Christ's life. And I've found that these infancy tales have actually turned out to be a really great way to kind of cover some background that we need when we talk about what we want to talk about in this podcast, which is what makes us human and how Jesus Christ reveals that. So last week we talked about the presentation in the temple and we saw this innate religious sensibility that's in people. Well, today we're going to talk about the Magi, and that's a great example of non-Jewish religious sensibility and how non-Jewish religions nonetheless lead in certain ways, and certainly in this case, to the one true God. So I'll read the gospel passage, or at least excerpts from it. The Magi passage is remarkably long when you sit down to put it in a podcast. So let's start by reading the gospel according to Matthew chapter 2. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. When they had heard the king, they went their way, and lo, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. They prostrated themselves and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there till I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, was in a furious rage And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old and under. So these mysterious travelers from the east show up. And there's lots of great images that come to our mind. We've seen paintings of these exotic 
figures. And we've even heard possibly people talk about how they were astrologers, kind of the Harry Potters of their time, witchcraft and wizardry. But they were not wizards, says uh, this ninth century abbot, Rabanus Morris. And it's good to listen to these early voices because they were a lot closer in time to what these gospels are talking about. And these same types of folks were probably walking around in their time. Anyway, he said, the Magi are men who inquire into the nature of things philosophically. In their own country, they are held in other repute, being the philosophers of the Chaldeans, end quote. Thus says Abbot Rabanus Morris. Well, they're certainly convincing to King Herod, who was greatly troubled by this news of a newborn king, and he assembles all the chief priests and scribes and inquired of them when the Christ was to be born. He also took the Magi aside and told them, go and search diligently for the child. When you have found him, bring me word. And they do. They tell him in Bethlehem and Judea, and they even quote a prophecy of Micah, which is a pretty astonishing thing. So you basically have these priests and scribes who know exactly when and where the Messiah will be born, and they do nothing about it except turn his name over to the authorities who want to get rid of him. Herod duplicitously tells the wise men, go and search diligently for this child, and when you find him, bring me word that I too may worship him. Well, he doesn't want to worship him. He wants to kill him. The wise men do find Jesus, but they're warned by Herod and they leave town instead, leaving Herod in a furious rage and deciding to kill all the firstborn infant males in the area. Well, there's a lot to say, but it's a, first it's important to establish the timeline here. The story of the presentation of Jesus in Luke ends with the words, when they have fulfilled all the prescriptions of the law of the Lord, they return to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And yet, in the Gospel of Matthew, about the visitation of the Magi, the story ends this way. Joseph rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. He stayed there until the death of Herod, end quote. So which is it? Did he flee to Egypt from Bethlehem, or did they return to Nazareth from the temple? Well, in this letter announcing the year of St. Joseph last year, Pope Francis followed the general consensus on this timeline, which puts the events in this order. First, the presentation in the temple. Second, the visit from the Magi. Third, the flight to Egypt. And fourth, the return to Nazareth. Augustine says that what happened in the temple was part of what led to Herod's action. Quotes, When the things done in the temple came to be spread abroad, then Herod discovered that he had been deceived by the Magi and then sent and slew the children, end quote. All the same, the apparent contradiction in the two Gospels have caused many to claim that the story is simply made up by Matthew, that there were no Magi, there was no massacre of the innocents. This uh, claim is bolstered by the fact that there is no extra-biblical evidence of a slaughter of innocents. Well, but we do have evidence that Herod was a very nasty man who killed members of his own family and, and slaughtered people on several of occasions. So that's not out of character at all for Herod. And the population of Bethlehem was pretty tiny. So if somebody slaughtered all the firstborn male infants born in Bethlehem, I don't know how many it would be, but it wouldn't be a lot. It wouldn't necessarily uh, make the world historical record. Again, in his book, Jesus of Nazareth, Pope Benedict XVI reviewed the data. Benedict favorably quotes John Danalou, who says, quotes, The adoration of the Magi, unlike the story of the Annunciation to Mary, does not touch upon any essential aspect of our faith, 
No foundations would be shaken if it simply were an invention of Matthew based on a theological idea, end quote. But Benedict goes on to add, quote, Danilu himself, however, comes to the conclusion that we are dealing with historical events whose theological significance was worked out by the Jewish Christian community and by Matthew. To put it simply, I share his view. He says, the two chapters of Matthew's gospel devoted to the infant narratives are not a meditation presented under the guise of stories, but the converse. Matthew is recounting real history, theologically thought through and interpreted, and thus he helps us understand the mystery of Jesus more deeply, end quote. So I'm with Benedict. I'm with um, history. I believe that these are events that really happened. But I can see why people don't believe it. The Magi seem totally out of place like a strange intrusion on the gospel from a foreign place. It almost seems as if characters from Alibaba and the 40 Thieves somehow wandered into a gospel story. But if you think about it, don't all of us sometimes feel like we're out of place in Christ's story? I talked about how I walked into the church in D.C. and I felt I was in my mother's living room. Well, it doesn't always feel that way when I walk into a Catholic church. Sometimes you look around the church and you wonder, What do I have in common with any of these people? Uh, Do I belong to the same story they belong to? Well, Evelyn Waugh certainly did. Now, I didn't intend to bring him up this much. He's a British novelist who converted to Catholicism as an adult. And I shared what he said about Christmas in Brideshead Revisited in the Nativity podcast. Well, in a telling passage from his historical novel about St. Helen, this convert author talks about this convert heroine and how she comes across the wise men and speaks with them. So Helen's words from Wah's novel can help us understand the three kings for ourselves a little bit. The Magi didn't visit the manger, but visited Christ later when they were in a house in Bethlehem, according to the gospel. So we have these depictions of the wise men showing up right there at the uh, manger with the shepherds. Well, that's not true. They, they, they were somehow, they were in a house. It was, came much later. Like me, Helen said to the Magi, you were late in coming. The shepherds were here long before you, even the cattle. They had joined the chorus of angels before you were even on your way, end quote. Well, maybe like me, you also spent a long time away from Christ in your life. Maybe you wandered afar from Christ like I did. Well, it doesn't matter. Like the wise men, we will discover that it's not too late to come closer to Jesus. In fact, we have it on good authority that there is more rejoicing in heaven for the latecomers than there is for the ones who stuck around the whole time. Well, maybe like the wise men and me, you're not just late, but you needed to study it a lot more. You're a lot more skeptical on your way in. Well, Helen tells the Magi, how laboriously you came, taking sights and calculating when the shepherds had run barefoot, end quote. So you see how some people naturally come to the faith. That's a great, great, great blessing. For others, it's a difficult process of coming to accept God's power in their lives. Uh, Skeptics of the world, I think, have a bad name. Yeah, we ask a lot of questions. Yeah, we're slow to believe. But when we do believe, they'll go to great lengths and great expense for their faith, just like the Magi did. And this, I think, explains why a lot of us feel out of place in the church. Helen puts it this way, how odd you looked on the road, attended by your outlandish liveries laden with such preposterous gifts. Yet you came and were not turned away. You too found room before the manger. Your gifts were not needed, but they were accepted and put carefully away. 
So if we ever felt like we don't quite fit in among a band of disciples, our parish maybe, or whatever fellow believer make up your group, we can rest assured that we are in the best of company. If Christ is truly the center and purpose of the universe, and he is, then he should find all kinds of people by his side, even people like the Magi, even people like you and me. All he requires is that we be generous with him, giving according to who we are and what we have, whether that matches what everyone else is giving or not. Well, what interested the Magi in Jesus? They were looking for something transcendent, something they could not find in their lives already. They were high-talent individuals, you might say. They knew the science of the stars. They knew politics. They knew geography. They knew what the stars should look like and what was wrong about them when they looked different, and they wanted to find out why. They knew how to go halfway across the world into foreign lands. They had the means to put together an expedition like that. The Magi must have been substantial men. They had the credibility not just to converse with King Herod, but to be sought out by him. And they had the self-confidence to ditch him when they chose. So why would men like these go so far to see Jesus? They explained why in their own words, because he was the newborn king of the Jews and they came to do him homage. In other words, they had found that something was missing from their life, something that transcends science, travel, politics. How did they know it was Jesus Christ they were missing? The gospel passage shows several ways they found it. The wise men knew the way to find it through the star, the indicator that the cosmos gave. Herod confirmed by assembling the church, chief priests and scribes who pointed out Bethlehem in the scriptures, And ironically, the Magi knew that they were on the right path precisely because Herod, the evil king, was so anxious to know what they found. But ultimately, what convinced the Magi was what they saw with their own eyes. Not just the stars and the politics and the geography pointing to Christ, something about the Holy Family, something about this carpenter and his wife and child convinced them. So they prostrated themselves and placed expensive, mysterious gifts before him, gifts that represent To us, material life, gold, the spiritual life, incense, and the afterlife, myrrh, which was used in healing and preparation for death. They found the Christ child and recognized him as king of the Jews and also as the center of their life today, tomorrow, and hereafter. Well, we each have the same journey to make. We too have something missing in our lives, despite all the education and material comfort that America has to offer compared to the rest of the world. We too can read the signs in the secular world, the need for love, the need for hope that this world cries out for. We too can see the negative attention the world pays to Jesus, like Herod wanting to crush the rival of his attention. It's exactly the way the world still treats Jesus today. We can also listen to the church, no matter what our personal experiences with its members are, and even if its priests and bishops don't seem that into it, We can still listen to the church, which points directly at Jesus, whether they like it or not. Then we can spend time with Jesus, Mary, and Joseph and see for ourselves how credible they are. And this is a perfect time to take that journey, to look for the signs of Christ in our lives and follow where they lead. They lead to the altar where the baby Jesus quietly proclaims with his presence that love, divine love, is the thing we've been missing all along.
The Extraordinary Story is written by Tom Hoops and produced by Ex Corde at Benedictine College in Atchison, Kansas. Our mission is to produce media that will transform culture in America through Benedictine's mission of community, faith, and scholarship. Visit us at excorde.org.